Welcome into another episode of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Hello, Justin. Hello, Caleb. How are you, sir? Doing well. And uh, so much to get to in the IndyCar world. But first, glad to see you're uh, healthy again. Thankfully, healthy. last week I was not around you to record because yeah. you found out what th- that day or next day you got Omicron. The next day. Yeah. So um, I was just busy last week, uh, so couldn't come in the studio to record. And it was a good thing for you because I was uh, diagnosed with the with the Cron on Friday and just had cold symptoms. And I wouldn't even went and got tested if my wife didn't make me uh, because I had a busy weekend last weekend on tap for work. And I was gonna be around a bunch of people, so she made me go test. Ended up having Omicron, had fatigue and sore throat congestion for I don't know three, four days, and now I'm fine. So um, it was it was a definite uh, good omen last week for you that we didn't record both together. Yeah, I definitely benefited from that greatly. Okay, so with that, now that you're healthy and, yes. and you're back in studio, because we're in Studio B this week. Yes, we are. A lot to get to in IndyCar. Of course, we had the IndyCar content days earlier this week. Don't call them media days. They're content, content days. Content days. This is 2022. It's content. It's not a media day. It's that's content. right. That is uh, that's selling everyone short that does maybe stuff that you and I do. But uh, we, we also had some key announcements. I think one of the three announcements, not a surprise, that being Tony Kanaan back for the Indy 500. He will be in a car number to be announced, but American Legion, the sponsor, he'll just run the 500 with Ganassi in a fifth entry. Not a surprise there. It's good to have TK back for the Indy 500. He says he doesn't want this to be his his last run. Now it's his last contracted run with Ganassi for the time being, but he wants to keep racing, and then he's going to do some SRX and some Brazilian, what, stock car or, or truck yeah. racing? Yeah, something, something down in Brazil. I, you said Brazilian, and I thought jiu-jitsu. I thought you were going to say he's going to do some Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu, which uh, is definitely in shape enough to do that for sure. Absolutely. That's the one that's not a surprise. I think the other two. So, Connor Daly confirmed full-time at Ed Carpenter Racing. This is a surprise. Now, not a surprise that Connor Daly gets the seat necessarily, but definitely a surprise that it's full-time at Ed Carpenter now running the Indy 500 for now, he could run some of the other ovals uh, after Indy, but Daly will be in the 20 car and the 20 car will be full time for the first time since Ed Carpenter ran full time in the 20 car. What, when did he last run full time? 2013? Man, it's that long. I was going to say 2015, but yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it, look, this was a long time coming in terms of what we thought was the best move for Ed Carpenter Racing, right? I mean, for a long time, you and I both said, look, they have to have a second full-time driver with consistency in the seat. It does not help them, I think, grow as a team with a road and street course only driver and then Ed jumping in for the ovals. So this makes a whole lot of sense. It's great to see now two full-time drivers in ECR in terms of uh, on track for every single race and and Ed which you know I I wouldn't be surprised if if the 500 is the only race he does instead of the the rest of the ovals I just think this is I'm not sure how this came about whether it was sponsor driven whether it was Ed coming you know one day just realizing this is best for the team I'm not sure but it definitely is a step in the right direction for that team and the sponsor Bit Nile Holdings 
which it's a cryptocurrency company. Neither of us are going to pretend to understand what any of that means. I don't know what cryptocurrency <laughs> is. I don't know what NIL is like that, you know, that, that, that other big thing. NFT, you mean? NFT, is that what's NFT yeah. where you can own something digitally, but non-fungible not- token? Is that what it is? I, yeah. I couldn't even tell you. That's like, all I know. I see them on um, like betting sites uh, that you can bid or do something for like, you know, a Tom Brady autograph football, but you don't own it, own it. You own it digital. I don't understand it. So yeah, similar to Bitcoin. I don't understand it. I don't either. But what I find interesting about this is the story on how Daily landed the sponsor. It's pretty wild. And Nathan Brown, the Indy star kind of details that on uh, his article, five things from IndyCar content days, how daily saved his career, heard to discuss his F1 more. So back in mid December, he went to Vegas for his 30th birthday. Okay. And he had met someone, uh, a, a longtime friend of he and his stepdad, Doug Bowles, uh, had this idea for a meeting with this guy who was interested in IndyCar. Okay. okay. Sounds great. Right. Of course you take the meeting. Right. And, uh, the guy asked, are you going to be in Vegas December 17th and 18th? And, and Connor said, funny you ask. Yes, I will be. Wow. <laughs> so the timing worked out perfectly. He went with some friends, which included Alexander Rossi, Travis Pastrana. Um, they went to Vegas. They had a good time. And uh, Connor you know, was asked, you know, hey, you want to go jump off a building <laughs> by Travis Pastrana? Because he's always up for yeah. crazy stuff like that. And Connor's like, no, um, I can't. I have a meeting. So he gets <laughs> to the meeting at six o'clock. They meet for an hour and a half. They shook on a deal. And then he, he said to his friends, I think I'm employed. So he texted team owner Ed Carpenter near midnight East Coast time. Ed calls him at 5 a.m. in Vegas. And, and Connor's wide awake, just, you know, thrilled by the news. And then they were able to work everything out. And, and basically, Connor summed it up. Todd Alt, who's the BitNile founder, says he's big on undervalued assets and he thought I was an undervalued asset to kind of wrap up the story. But just it's crazy how things just, you know, the timing works out and it seems right. like the timing for this deal to come together worked out perfectly for Connor Daly. Especially for a guy that, you know, has struggled to find sponsorship over the course of his career. You, you felt like, you know, for Connor Daly, whether you feel uh, he has what it takes to be a consistent contender in IndyCar or not, he is a guy you root for and he's easy to like. And, you know, it's disappointing when you see maybe other drivers with deeper pockets and maybe not as much talent as Connor to be able to get on the grid. And that's just that's how motorsports works. It has since the end of time. But for him to, you know, be in the right place at the right time with the right opportunity for this to come together and to race full time for ECR is phenomenal. And, you know, the old adage, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. This is one thing that you don't want to stay no. in Vegas. No, you, know? you want that meaning to be official and, and to move forward. And, and it clearly did uh, for Connor basically one month later. So really cool. And for Connor, I mean, this is a huge step. This is the first full time ride with one team that he has had since Foyt in 2017. Yeah, and this is, you know, you could even argue this is the biggest opportunity of his career. Yeah, multi-year deal. That's the other thing I forgot to bring up. Multi-year deal for Connor Daly. So you have stability, you have a sponsor, and again, we don't understand crypto, but clearly they have the money to fund an IndyCar team, and uh, this is a, a good opportunity for Connor to have consistency. And I think 
not only for Connor, but also for Ed Carpenter Racing, just having a consistent driver yeah. in that seat will benefit them greatly. Now, my question would be, are they paying in cryptocurrency or actual <laughs> real money? I would hope they're actually getting real money as opposed to promise of crypto because, again, I don't understand the first thing about cryptocurrency. And let's not forget that Renus VK had Bitcoin as a sponsor for last year's That's Indy true. 500. So, I mean, there's right. a, a tie-in at least with that field. So, if there was a team to understand at least on a on a base level of how cryptocurrency works and to have contacts, it would definitely be that team. Yeah, it's it's a great story all around. You know, the lateness of it coming together. I mean, mid-December, that's really late in terms of the season starting in mid-February, late February. So good on uh, Connor Daly. Glad to see it happen with ECR because, you know, ever since Fuzzy's departed, it's been kind of uncertain the funding wise it's been difficult to find full-time uh sponsors for that team so for them to have a multi-year deal with a a group that you know seems invested in connor daly and the sport that that's great to see and it gives ecr two bullets in the chamber we've been saying that for a couple years now it's like they need a second driver whether it's data whether it's consistency whatever they needed a second driver out there and familiarity from one weekend to the next. And they have it, and I think it's a great thing, both for ECR and Connor Daly. Yes, and then the other announcement, and I think this came as a complete shock to pretty much everyone. Now, we remember Tatiana Calderon tested with AJ Foyt back in July at Mid-Ohio after the race weekend there, a couple days after the race, the uh, Honda 200. And we thought, okay, this is a a driver to keep an eye on for IndyCar, but then it just kind of went silent for a while. And then earlier this week, she's announced running all the road and street course races and the number 11 for AJ Foyt is a, a third entry, which we knew they were exploring that rocket expanded on. And, and she said that the deal actually came together last week. So this is pretty recent. And here we are with uh Foyt with three cars, oval driver to be determined. There's been speculation uh, by motorsports, David Malcher Lopez that, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray would appear to be an obvious pick for AJ Foyt is what he writes on motorsport.com. Also, you can think J.R. Hildebrand, who's run the Indy 500 with the team in years past. Also, Charlie Kimball, same scenario there. But what a surprise. What a good surprise for IndyCar. And this is the first female driver to compete in, you know, majority of a season since what, Simona in 2013? I mean, it's been a while. Right. And, you know, when you look at the career of Tatiana Calderon, nothing really jumps out of you at you other than being a test driver for Alfa Romeo, which, you know, in a lot of instances just is a, you know, stature type thing. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, has done a variety of different things, has done Le Mans, has done, um, you know, some, some GTD racing, uh, some super formula over in Japan, where Alex Polo came from. Just going to say that. Yeah. So she raced a full season in F2 in 2019 with BWT Arden. Um, you know, was a test driver and development driver for Alfa Romeo. So, you know, she's been around and I think, you know, I think she has some up to untapped talent, but she just hasn't had that consistency. You look at the races she's been in and the series, she's she's skipping around, doing a lot of different things. You know, GP3 for a couple years. Uh, in the mid 2000s. So, um, you know, she even raced for Carlin in uh, in the European Championship in F3. 
in 2015. So uh, she's been able to get around. And I think the biggest thing is, is your sponsor wanted her in a car. So you, when your sponsor asks you to jump, you respond with how high. And I think Tatiana Calderon has an opportunity to, to build a good fan base. And I, I feel like she's going to be a popular driver. And you look at, at, uh, at Foyt now with three cars, I think it'd be easy to say here they're expanding too much, but when you have an invested partner like Rocket, you have to appease them because that, in the end, is the biggest piece of this. And, you know, Foyt has not had anything like this since ABC Supply. Yeah. So for Rocket to come to you and say, hey, we want to sponsor a second full-time car, which is phenomenal, and we want Tatiana Calderon in the seat, Foyt, Larry Foyt and AJ are basically, yeah, definitely. We'll do whatever you say. Well, and she at least has an IndyCar tie-in. Now, you mentioned Super Formula and Alex Pillow. Well, it goes back more than a decade. She was teammates with Connor Daly uh, at Hunkos Racing in Star Mazda back in 2010. Now, she ran two seasons of Star Mazda, 10th. In 2010, sixth in 2011, had a couple podiums in 2011. So, I mean, she was at least on the kind of road to Indy at one time. And with her, you know, having a partner, having someone invested, like you said, these are all good things. I don't think they're stretched too thin simply because of that, because they have the partner. And you think about it, you go from a two-car team to a three-car team. It's a lot more data for your engineers to pour over. And yeah. it gives you a fighting chance to to have a shot against, you know, the three, four, five car teams in IndyCar. Yeah. And you look at it, too. The biggest question with this is where will this car be located? Will it be located in Texas <laughs> or will it be in Indianapolis? Because, you know, those one each. Now you have three. So, you know, where is Tatiana Calderon going to be based? I would guess Indianapolis. And my understanding is they kind of move around what shop you know, the, the cars are at during the season. If there's, you know, a heavy Midwest swing or a swing out West or, you know, in the Southeast, they'll, they'll move to, to Waller. Uh, but all of that said, yeah, that, that is, is an interesting operational question. I would think they'd have more space though, in Indy to fulfill that, that second car. And that's something that we brought up in the past in terms of consistency too, is being at the same shop all the time, uh, can make a, a big difference for sure. So, when you look at what this means for Foyt, you know, three cars, do we expect them to now, you know, every year, here we are, new year, we expect, you know, Foyt to start making some 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 inroads. And I feel like that's what Rocket is expecting as well. So I feel like this team has the, an opportunity to, you know, be somewhat competitive. You know, I'm not talking all three in, in the top 10 consistently, but, you know, maybe a top 10 here or there from one of their three full-timers. Well, having Kyle Kirkwood on what we presume is basically a one-year rental uh, with the team, and Rocket will will have braining with him, and then obviously he brings his his scholarship money from winning Indy Lights. I mean, that is to have one of the kind of hot shoes from Indy Lights come in, and a guy that everyone's kind of had their had their eye on for several years now. I mean, that helps the the status of the team because there's expectation for him to at least put in some good runs. I'm not saying he's going to win a race. I don't think anyone's thinking that, but I think he can, he could challenge for top tens uh, for sure. And just having resources. I, I think with him bringing his scholarship money, that probably rocket said, okay, well, because of that, we have some extra money so we could run this car 
for X number of races. And with Calderon, she says this from Nathan Brown of the Indy Star. She does hope to test on the ovals at some point, but the point of only running the road and street course races was to take things slowly and her break an Indy car. And then she said, who wouldn't want to run the Indy 500? I don't think that's on the cards for this year, but we would expect what ABC to su- supply to come back for at least an entry for the 500 yeah, too. You would think so. And you know, this is, you know, when you look at this lineup now for Foyt and you have two rookies in the lineup with Kirkwood and Calderon and you have Dalton Kellett, who is in his second year. Yeah. I feel like when you're looking at who fills that seat for the ovals, it's gotta be a veteran, right? Yeah. Yeah. It has to be. I mean, I mean, is it Ryan Hunter Ray? Could be. I mean, I think Hildebrand, Kimball, and Hunter Ray are the prime candidates. Is there anyone right. that we're like missing here? I mean, in terms of the 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 most likely, that's the trio, right? I mean, you could throw guys like Gabby Chavez and stuff in there in the conversation, but I don't think that's you know viable right now. No, no, and I I I, I saw some people mention Bourdais, and I don't think his schedule would allow it to to work out as far as yeah uh, running WEC. I don't think that would work. And then Oriel Serbia's all but retired. I mean, yeah. may run the Indy 500, but I don't even think so with that. So, yeah, those three guys seem to be the prime candidates. And I guess it comes down to who do you want? Who brings enough money to make it work? And if ABC supplies on, the, on that entry for the 500, that would at least make it work for someone like Ryan Hunter-Ray, who's probably not going to bring a big check. But do they go the route of running four cars at Indy and having someone just run all the ovals in the 11 and then running like the, the one or whatever, like they did was that last year with Hildebrand. Right. You know, potentially maybe they want to see how the first, you know, part of the season goes and then decide, I mean, expanding to a three car team just for may is one thing expanding to a three car team for an entire season is something completely different. So does AJ Foyt have the personnel to run a fourth car now at the 500. I'm I'm not exactly sure. I mean, if the money's there, yes, but who's to say that you don't plaster ABC supply uh, over one of those other cars? I mean, Ryan Hunter Ray's ran an ABC supply car. That's before. right. <laughs> That'd be a good uh, blast uh, from the past for sure. A, a Franken car back <laughs> yeah, then. That's right. So yeah, with with Foyt, I, I mean, could they handle four cars? In theory, yes, because they did it last year. Now one of them didn't make the race. Yeah. But the others I mean, were solidly in the field. It's true. I feel like, to me, you're already expanding to three full-time cars, which is a big venture for a team that has struggled. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see the allure of running a fourth in May unless you know somebody's bringing a fat check. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think so either unless... You know, Kimball has money for all the ovals or for May, and then they have ABC supply, and then they can run an extra car there. I just, I, I don't see it. As far as running for Indy, it seems like a stretch. Now, Voight being a Chevy team, it makes it a possibility just because right. Chevy has the engine availability compared to Honda. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's on the table for sure. But uh, if I'm if I'm Voight, I'm not pressing that. I mean, no. you know, if you add a fourth, could it be like last year where one of them just doesn't make it anyway? So why don't you just focus on your three? Yeah, and that's that's the thing. You don't want to get too greedy <laughs> with what you have. Yeah, I wouldn't stretch it unless, you know, you have a company of its ABC supply or someone else that says, hey, we'll fund this entire month of May. 
that car. Yeah. So we look at the grid and it's getting full. Yeah, we have what, like 31 confirmed entries for the 500? I mean, and what, 26. 26 full-time. Essentially full-time once we get an oval driver for the 11 car at Foyt. And then we still expect Top Gun um, with a car. And then after that, Marco Andretti, all signs point to him being back for an Indy 500 run based on things he've, he's tweeted and, and posted on social media recently. In fact, he, he said... Uh, on social media the other day, Indy this year will be his 250th IndyCar start. So I think that all but confirms yeah. he'll be in a fifth Andretti car for the 500. Definitely. And if he runs the 500 for the next 51 years, he can get to 300. <laughs> I don't I don't think uh, <laughs> that's going to get him there. I don't know. I mean, Mario's still in shape enough to jump True. into a car. So yeah. who's to say Mario Marco teased be? that uh, he said, stay tuned as far as him getting back in a car. And I would guess it would be an F1 car during an interview with uh, Marty Smith ah. at ESPN the other day. Is there some sort of anniversary coming up, potentially? Um, I don't think so, but I think he's going to get like an F1 test with McLaren, I would guess. That'd be cool. It'd be really cool. So be the with, Grand Marshal in Miami or something. Oh, yeah, that also true. Got to remember, we're going to have two F1 races in the, in the two, States. Soon to be maybe three. Yeah. So we have Andretti with a fifth. Do they run a sixth? I don't know. And then... Top Gun, and then we we would think there could be a second at Hunkos Hollinger for Indy, maybe a third at Meyer Shank or at Dale Coyne. That's really about it. I, I mean it it gets tough to even see more than thirty five, and and then with Carlin, I mean we still don't have anything. <laughs> MarshallPerdeRacer.com posted something uh, the other week. I think it was like the day after we recorded, and remember we were a day early last week. But he basically said uh, that I should be able to provide an answer in the next week or so regarding Carlin and, and their plans. So we don't really have anything for that yet. Well, we did, we did learn that Hunkos Racing will not run Indy Lights, which we kind of surmised that last week. And that to me tells me they're investing. Well, obviously they're investing more in IndyCar, but yeah. investing in more than one car is what I feel. That does. Yeah, I think that's a two-car operation for Indy and maybe even like a partial schedule, you know, if they can get the right budget yeah. and the right driver in place. And I mean, here we are January 20th as we record, and we show up to uh, St. Pete in five weeks, and we have nothing from Carlin. And yeah. you scan their Twitter, which we can now because we have not been blocked, <laughs> we have been unblocked, and it's been literally months since they have mentioned a single thing IndyCar related on there. No, hey, no seat fittings. No, hey, we got, uh, we were putting the car back together. No retweets of any kind. Like there's nothing out there in months IndyCar related on Carlin's Twitter page. And that's in, more indicative than anything else is there's just no presence whatsoever. Never a good sign. No. It's, you know, it's. Week here, a week there, fine. But it's literally the you know it, it may be since the season finale, the last time they had an IndyCar related tweet. At least since I checked, you know that was like a you know a week ago. Once we got the news or something like that, we were unblocked. So silence is telling in this respect. Yes, and and not in a a good way. <laughs> no, I, I feel like maybe it's a Hunkos Hollinger uh, racing. They'll have Callum Eilat, and maybe it's a combination Carlin 
Kunkos, Hollinger entry of some form. Maybe it's just Indy. Maybe it's a series of races. Maybe it's, I don't think it's a full season at this point. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if it's anything more than Indy or Indy and, you know, like you said, a handful of races. I don't think we're going to see another full-time entry on the grid. Like, I think the grid is full at 26. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, I think it would be a good move for Carlin Racing to go right now to an Indy-only program because they just, they jumped into it, I felt, too quickly. Um, you know, one year came over and did Indy Lights, right? And the next year they jumped into full-time IndyCar, I believe, uh, or at least very close. And you just, you're jumping into the deep end of the pool. There was no progression there. Hey, we're going to do the 500. Then we're going to do a, a couple more races. Then we're going to do half a season. Then we do a full season. It was just jumping into the deep end, so to speak. And they was just drinking from a fire hose. It was just way too much, way too soon for Carlin. And it's they've been trying to play catch up ever since. And when you don't have an immense amount of capital to invest and you're relying on outside financing, then it can really dictate what you can and can't do. And I think we've seen that over the last couple of years with Carlin. So I think if they went back to a May only entry uh, and started building back up from there, hit reset, couple years Indy only, maybe jump back into in, into the road to Indy and, and start building there and, you know, three, four, five years, maybe reemerge. I think that'd be a great move. So Carlin had a lights program starting in 2015, then in 16 and 17. They ended Indy Lights after 17, joined IndyCar full-time with two entries in 2018 with Kimball and Chilton. And then it was, what, Chilton and like part-time in, in 19 and it just kind of... just Chilton and then... It, yeah. yeah. So so now it's now it's nothing so far. And like you said, if they partner with... Hunkos or sell their assets to Hunkos and then kind of revamp. When when they started, they had all lights crew guys move up to IndyCar. So these are guys who are not used to doing live pit stops. I mean, they were yeah, right? they were starting so far behind the eight ball. Yeah, it was just kind of absurd. That, made it made it tough to be competitive. Yeah, absolutely. And you know when you're already hampered by the limitations that they're under, without having you know the ability to invest in in top of the line, you know, whether it's a shaker rig or whatever, like it's very difficult to break out of the bottom part of the sport. If you just don't have the financing and the support. And if you have a homegrown driver, that's really good that you can put on track, then that can help alleviate some of the issues, but you're basically, it's a ride by at this point and you're being held hostage by the one person that has money uh, that's been familiar with the organization and you didn't get the results. So hopefully Carlin just doesn't disappear from the States because I think it's got potential and they obviously have tremendous success in Europe, but it's just not working in IndyCar. And I feel like instead of, you know, just cutting bait and leaving, hopefully they, they hit recess, reassess where they're at, what they can do and just start building up little by little, which I feel is the right path to success in IndyCar in 2022. And then the uh, other thing I want to get to before we discuss content days, a lot of nuggets, Scott Dixon with some interesting comments uh, (laughs) on the IndyCar chassis, but they announced this late last week, the people ready force for good challenge. It's a new triple crown million dollars on the line. First driver to win on all three types of tracks. So road course, street course, and oval uh they will split 
$500,000 with their team and donate $500,000 to that driver and the team's chosen charity. This is really cool. And it's a different triple crown from what we've seen in the past, but I actually like this idea. I mean, they don't have, you're not going to get more than one 500 mile oval race anymore. I mean, that's kind of like a thing of the past. Right. And I think this is a more modern approach. And if you want to look at, you know, how has this played out in years past? Well, no drivers did it last year. Yeah. I'm looking right now. Nobody did. New garden in 2020. Is that he did it? I think so. 2020. So uh, it's, it's not, it's not a given, you know, you think, Oh, well clearly someone will, will pull it off, but no, it's, it's not a given. And I think new garden pulled it off in 2020. He did not actually. Okay. Wait, hold on. There is a list. No, there, maybe they did. There is a list. He won at Iowa gateway. Uh, yeah, he did because he won at Iowa gateway, Indy road course and St. Pete. So. Here we go. Here's the list. Okay. In, t- in 2020, it was Newgarden. 2019, Paginot, Indy Road Course, Indy Oval, Toronto. 2018, Rossi did it. Long Beach, Mid-Ohio, Pocono. 2017, Newgarden wow. again. Barber, Toronto, Mid-Ohio, and Gateway. 2016, Power, Detroit, Road America, Toronto, Pocono. And 2015, Dixon did it. Long Beach, Texas, and Sonoma. So it's been done pretty yeah. consistently of late. Except last year. Yeah, except last year. So... <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. Um, I would like it to um, maybe you, uh, let's say, for example, it doesn't happen this year. Then you add another, I don't know, 250000 to it next year or something. Uh, I think that would pretty, be pretty cool. But I like it because hopefully it gives the announcers on NBC something else to talk about other than championship points. Because in the end... Winning races is the most important thing, and for a million dollars, you win three different kind of races. Um, that's that's a good deal. So, hopefully, the, uh, the onus should always be on winning races. And I know we we go around in circles with each other and and you know listeners about this and what's more important. But this is a step in in my opinion the right direction to put some added emphasis on winning races. Yes, and. This does that. I think it's a, it's a good starting point and it creates some intrigue. It's a talking point other than the championship late in the season. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I get it late in the season, the final two, three races. I get it that the championship is big time, but you know, don't come at me with championship talk between, uh, you know, before the 8,500. In fact, I'm saying it right now, okay, that we are going to follow an edict on this podcast we are not going to talk about the championship until after the Indianapolis 500. Because if we expect NBC to do it, which they won't, then we have to live by that same thing. Okay. I, I like it. I need you to hold me to it because I, I may slip versa. up. Yes. So we, we have to make a pact. You, the listener, call us out on, on social media uh, if if we break the pact because we we can't go around being something that we're so against and then being part of the problem. Yes. We are part of the solution (laughs) here on new track record podcast, not part of the problem. So through Indianapolis, we are not talking about championship points here. Any 500 recap on full championship talk. (laughs) Absolutely. But you know, remember last year where what was it? Barber was the first race Uh, and Joseph Unigarden, you know, you know, Rex and all the talk, you know, the first question, literally the first question to him was about the championship after he like, come on. Come on. 
Yeah, it's one race. I, yes. I think he can give a guy a pass. And I feel like, you know, throughout the month of May, nobody cares about the championship, you know? So we're not going to care here. So we're not talking championship points until we're heading to Detroit. All right. Time to uh, look at uh, the nuggets that we can take away from IndyCar content days. Earlier this week, we mentioned some of the announcements uh, before. We had Calderon announcement. To Connor Daly announcement actually came a few days before. Tony Kanaan back for the Indy 500 with Ganassi. And then you, you get into some of the things that were said here and there. And the first thing, Scott Dixon. Not too thrilled about the weight of the current car. He called it a, quote, junior category car, end quote. <laughs> he said, it's not particularly fast, not particularly nimble, very heavy, and not a whole lot of grip. But he says, it's, it's uh, oh, this is a typo, I think, by Nathan Brown. But, but he says, it's okay, I believe is what he's meaning to say, because of safety that outweighs the bad. Right. I, I mean, will give him the safety aspect, but... You know, we, but, we've seen this in years past with they don't have power steering, you know, wrist injuries and drivers just know to take their hands off the wheel yeah. and they're about to crash. That's just common um, aspect of being an IndyCar driver now. But I mean, it's a great point. A lot of drivers discuss how they kind of beefed up in, in the off season because they have to get stronger with the added weight of the aero screen. Then you add this Kurz unit. Right. That's going to add 120 pounds approximately. That's a lot more weight. Yeah. I mean, you look at it, you know, we're not saying that the aero screen was, was wrong. I mean, it's absolutely a must. And, you know, going into the hybrid engine era for IndyCar is a must as well. What can't happen is have a chassis that's 10 years old in today's racing. I mean, your, your racing chassis that were built in 2012, designed in 2012, and they've made some adjustments here, there and stuff, but it's just an obsolete chassis and IndyCar. I understand that, you know, money's at a premium, although, you know, recently it's in a better situation than it was in the early 2010s, but you just can't, I mean, you got to think what five or six years max is, is, is probably the best situation to replace those things. And so you're bolting on, for instance, an aero screen on a chassis that was never designed for such a thing. And now next year you're going to add hybrid technology into a chassis that has was never designed to to incorporate that so you know unfortunately and we still don't have a a definitive timeline on when a new chassis is coming so i feel like so much is being made about how exciting this engine formula would be and i think with it being more powerful it will help alleviate some of those issues but you're still adding 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 weight to a chassis that was just not built for it i mean you got to remember they've been using this safety cell since 2012. Yeah, it's 10 years <laughs> old. I mean, it's just, it's an eternity in, in motorsports, you know? So now they've had several iterations. I mean, the DW12, then they had the aero kits in, in what, 2015, 16, 17. Do they have aero kit? No, they didn't. No, in then the IR19 came out. In, yeah. Or not, IR18 and 18 in, in, was in 18, the common and, body work. And then yeah. we had the aero screen in 2020. So stuff has changed consistently. Right. But the 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 basis of it is still the DW12. Right. I, I I hope that there has been more behind the scenes done to get the ball rolling for a new chassis than what we're hearing. And I think a big part of that, you know, a couple of weeks ago was Delara re-upping. I think you couldn't do much of anything without having Delara on board. So now that they do, 
hopefully a lot of that work is being done and and you will have an announcement you know maybe it's i don't know is it is it too late for 2024 for a new chassis uh i don't know i don't know I mean, how are you gonna race work. two years with the new technology in in that i mean you know and then you're looking at an oem you know let, let's take for instance toyota if toyota jumps in i mean i i you know engine is an engine is an engine but you know if you're coming in one year with one chassis and then you have to adjust the engine i'm sure there's not a lot of adjustments to it but still you're you're going to another chassis i feel like you know i would wait until the new chassis came out right so i don't know is it 2024 is it 2025 i mean just look at it if you go to 2025 it's 12 13 years with the same chassis that's just i mean it's wild but yeah, they've done enough to change the look of the car to keep it different, you know, every couple years. But I mean, the weight part is a problem and the aero screen right. is heavy. The new Kurz unit for next year is going to be heavy. And, you know, it's a it's a tricky balance. I, I think this was in the, the racer mailbag. Marshall Pro talking about, you know, you can cut the the weight of the chassis, but then it's more expensive. And right. the big teams can handle it, but the smaller right. teams can't. I mean, think about it. I mean, this new engine formula is probably going to cost a little bit more yeah. with the Kurs unit, so you have to be careful. And it's and then two, going around to cost. So if you design a new chassis and it's more expensive, then who can afford to pay for it? You know, you, you can't have a situation where you have, you know, everybody says, you know, oh, it was great when you could run your own chassis back in the day, but it wasn't just running different companies' chassis. It was running different years of those companies of chassis. You know what I mean? So you you would have cars out there running a chassis that was two, three years old. So you, you can't do that. So um, it has to be universal. So once you adopt it, everybody gets that new chassis. And I think you have to give as much forewarning as possible to these teams. So it's at least a couple years away. In the meantime, you're just going to have a car that for all the hype of just how fast and exciting they are truly are slow in terms of where they should be because of the added weight. Other notes from IndyCar content days, Jimmy Johnson going full time. Huh, he's running IndyCar. I didn't, I didn't hear that. <laughs> really? And uh, he, he says he thinks he will be better in year two. I could even be an IndyCar winner. Obviously talking on ovals. <laughs> but uh, do you think that's realistic? No, he's not winning a race. Okay. Um, not in, and not this year. I'm talking year two of full time. Oh, so he's talking about he, next he said, year being on my oval journey. I really think my performance will be better, look better, run better in year two of those. So next year. Okay. Um, no, I, I still don't okay. think he's an IndyCar winner. Um, I I'd love to be proven wrong. I'm just I'm I'm basing my Jimmy Johnson knowledge or my thoughts on Jimmy Johnson on the last couple of years of cup where I've been on record to say he just wasn't the Jimmy Johnson of old. He made un Jimmy Johnson like mistakes and he's not getting any younger. And I think the further you get away from your prime of your racing career. And I think we can agree that Jimmy Johnson is past the prime of his racing career. Considering the depth of IndyCar, it becomes more and more difficult to envision someone in the situation that Jimmy Johnson finds himself in winning a race, unless something crazy happens, unless it's some sort of fuel mileage, Carlos Huertas type thing. (laughs) 
What about Elio Castroneves? I mean, he was away from IndyCar for several years. Full yes, time. but look at the history. Like he, he's been in IndyCar. You yeah, know? yeah, he's still running the 500, and usually like the IndyCar right. GP. And, you know, he raced 10 to 15 years. You know, full time. This is Jimmy Johnson, who's still learning the sport. Right. So I expect nominal gains this year. Maybe he can get a top 10 here or there. I think he's better than he was a season ago. I just feel like it's still way too much to ask at least, you know, in the next couple of years for him to win a race. And he's getting older, which means his reflexes get slower. His, uh, is, you know, it's a fact of life. And I feel like, you know, it, it's passing him by. And I feel like it's very difficult in this sport to, in a person like that, in that situation, past your prime to, to get a dub. Speaking of Elio, if he wins the Indy 500 Again, this year, I'll win a $400,000 bonus from Borg Warner for winning back-to-back 500s. Now, we haven't had it done since, what, Elio? Yeah. In 2001, 2002. Yep. So, when you look at that, um, man, all of a sudden, I mean, it's obvious one thing. We're not going to get the betting odds on Elio Castroneves this year that we got last year. Uh, No. <laughs> I mean, what was it? It was like plus 2,600 or something it, it like was, that, 2,800. It was absurd. You and I absurd. both won money on that one. Uh, he was actually your pick to win, and I scoffed. But, uh, yeah, it's fair to say that uh, he's not going to have – I don't care if he starts 33rd. He's not going to have those odds this year. No, no, definitely not. And then speaking of uh, another motorsports veteran who's made the transition to IndyCar, Roman Grosjean, says the number of people who watched uh, IndyCar in France last year doubled. And earlier start times this year will help grow it even more. That from Trackside Online, also from TSO. Um, let's see. I mentioned the Elio thing. Tony Kanon says he doesn't want this year to be his last Indy 500. And Grosjean, this from Nathan Brown, uh, says he waited a couple weeks after the F1 finale to text Toto Wolf. And Toto said, we need to get you in that car this year. So again, he was supposed to have that test with Mercedes last year. Didn't work out due to scheduling. But that should be back on for this year. And uh, looking to get to a couple other note items. Let's see, Devin DeFrancesco had his delivery unveil a week ago. Look, it's very bright. Very bright. You can't miss it. A lot of sponsors. Cool looking car. Dare I say it's one of my favorite looking cars that we've seen so far. Not that we've seen many of them. Right. But so far, I think it's it's very sharp. And it's always cool to see some newer sponsors uh, on Jones cars. Soda. Yeah. Which, um, if I drank a lot of pop, I would drink Jones Soda. Um, but I don't. Try yeah, not I, to, I, at least. I, yeah, I, I don't really either. But it looks <laughs> it looks very good, which also means it's incredibly sugary. Uh, and, and, you know, in my advanced age, try to steer clear as much as possible. <laughs> so it's much easier not to drink a pop as it is, you know, grabbing a handful of M&M's. So you control what you can control. But at the very least, you know, that was kind of the first one. And then, uh, what was it, a team, um, it was it McLaughlin's Yeah, the Suncio, which... Yeah, which is now the title the new, sponsor of Road America, too, Yeah, right? a new title sponsor. So Road America gets a new title sponsor, Suncio, which that was a sponsor for New Garden, I think, last season. So yeah. they've just shifted to a different car. Um Good deal there. I still think the uh, DeFrancesco car is better than the Sencio car for McLaughlin, personally. Um, and then you have a couple of, you know, race announcements, tickets for Detroit on sale, DetroitGP.com slash tickets. Uh, also, Hy-Vee IndyCar Weekend 
they have an announcement. Pre-sale underway. You can sign up uh, at the link for the lowest price tickets before they go on sale to everyone on January 26th. The Twitter account with that announcement is IndyCar at Iowa. Uh, IndyCar AT at Iowa. If you're on Twitter, you'll understand why I said that. Because <laughs> it, it gets tricky otherwise. Yes. So absolutely. that's the other announcement with the race there. And then we had some testing. Dane Cameron, Tatiana Calderon, Kyle Kirkwood. Uh, do you have those uh, results? I I don't care. <laughs> Just testing you. Yeah. I, I don't care about testing times, but for Dane Especially Cameron. Especially unofficial testing times. Yes. At Sebring. Dane Cameron finally got his first IndyCar test. There's a good article on racer.com by Marshall Pruitt kind of detailing that journey and how he felt getting in the car. And he's he's not really doing a whole lot of racing in 2022 because he's developing the uh, uh, Penske Porsche Motorsports program for LMDH right. in 2023. So a, mean, lot of, could a lot he, of testing. But Could he be a guy? I mean, is this a test just to because you're part of the family or is it a test that at some point you could give it a shot? I mean, he's late 20s, I think. Uh, thirty three. Oh, is I he believe. that? Oh, okay, so yeah. I mean, so, uh, is this a? I don't know. Feels like a, a stretch, but it it uh, they did the same with McLaughlin, right? Right. I mean, and, and they've given their sports car guys tests. I think because they're part of it. Like, was it Ricky Taylor or Jordan Taylor? One of the Taylor brothers got a test in Penske car a couple years ago. So yeah. this is not like an unprecedented move. I would agree. But um, yeah, it's it's it's. I don't know much about Dane Cameron, but anytime Penske tests somebody in IndyCar, there's a reason why. And yes, I don't know if that reason in this instance is looking the future in IndyCar, or you've been a good employee here because they're they they do that stuff too. And then some other notes to get to. We have uh, good news, bad news. IndyCar looking to into altering its practice format to limit the impact of red flags for on-track time. That's the good news. The bad news, they're not planning to change the qualifying uh, format for road and street course races after all. I mean, is it because they're going to have so many cars on track? I mean, it'll be 13 13 essentially in each group, but I don't think we're going to see the number of part-time entries like we saw last year. Yeah. I mean... I kind of understand it because, you know, the obsession with qualifying on road and street courses is finding that clear track and it can be very difficult to do it when there's 12 other cars on the track. But you know what? Them's the brakes. Yeah, those are the brakes. But I think, you know, in terms of what I think is maybe, you know, TV wise, I mean, you usually get an hour for qualifying, right? When it's on TV. Uh, maybe it just well, went over too long. It's streaming on Peacock, right? And then they're gonna cut it down for TV because it's usually not live anyway. True, unless we're talking like on an oval, and even those are usually live to tape just because yeah. it goes so fast. You have to like to fill in the commercial breaks. You can't right. actually just show the whole thing as yeah. is. You you skip some runs. So I I think. Having two groups of 13 cars, it works. Is it full? Yes. But also, the teams have so much time in each session, and how often do we see them, whether it's IndyCar or F1, you sit, sit, there. And, sit yeah. and wait around until the final two minutes to put in their, their flying lap on reds. I just yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, it's a great point, because I don't feel bad for anybody that qualifies badly or misses an opportunity or, oh, the red came out and we got burned, or the yellow came out and we didn't have enough time. Like, go out as soon as 
as it goes green. It's your own fault. Everyone gets the same amount of time. It's just the, the teams all wait till the last yeah. minute. I just, I don't get it. I understand the track gets more rubbered in. Right. But when you have an opportunity with a clean track, wouldn't you want to take it? You would think. I, we, we must clearly be clueless here. There's probably some <laughs> There's engineering mind listening who well, can tell us why we're wrong. And yeah, please do. I mean, uh, I'm sure Marshall Pruitt could say you guys are dullards and here's why. But I feel like this is going to force teams to decide to go out earlier during these sessions when you have 12 of the cars out there because some of these tracks uh, aren't overly, you know, a little over two miles in a couple of these instances. You know, it's not very... You think you think you got a lot of room, but the amount of space you need to get a quote unquote clear track uh, is is a lot. So I feel like you know, hopefully, we'll see some teams go out early because, quite frankly, it's pretty boring to watch qualifying in that instance where you come back from a commercial break, you're starting the next session, and half the time they're actually showing commercials at the start of the session because they know nobody's <laughs> going to be out there. When yeah. they come back from a commercial and there's like six and a half minutes left in the section session, you're like. You know, they nothing happened. And then the other note, as we're talking about kind of IndyCar options and, and different rules, so they've created downforce increase options at three ovals. It's from Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com. Uh, this will include Texas, Iowa, and the track formerly known as Gateway as the options. But it will always be known as Gateway to us. Yes, yes. I will not. Not to refer to it by the title sponsor name, because we're not paid to do We're so. not getting money. Yeah. And I'm not going to pretend to understand these downforce options. I, I'm skimming the article. I, 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 I don't it. have a clue. <laughs> All I know is options are good. Yes. The more that you give the, the teams to control without adding a lot in terms of expense is good for the sport, in my opinion. And then one other note uh, I want to get to before we move on to other items Robert Wickens, he is back, and he is going to be competing with Brian Herta Autosport in the 2022 IMSA season, piloting one of their Hyundai Elantras. Really, really cool announcement he made the other day. We saw the tease, and you and I were going back and forth. We thought maybe it was just a, a, a you know 24 hours of Daytona thing or a mom, but it's an entire season, so... Uh, cool for Robert Wickens, you know, conversely though, as part of that, he comes out and says, you know, he's kind of plateaued in his recovery. Uh, he's going to be relegated to a wheelchair for the major- for the rest of his life is basically what, it, what he made it sound like. And, you know, in terms of the idiosyncrasies of an Indy car and what he can and can't control with the movement he has, it's, he even said it's, it's a definite long shot to ever return to IndyCar competition. Which is a disappointment, but I, I think we're kind of at that point where we understand it. I do think it would be cool if they could somehow outfit an IndyCar with hand controls for him to do like a demo lap before Toronto, for example. I think that right. would be a cool opportunity in front of his home country's you know fans if that event does indeed happen later this <laughs> summer. We all have our doubts yeah. at, at the way things are going currently. But I think that would be a really cool uh, demonstration. Remember, he he did pace car uh, lap. What in twenty was that twenty nineteen? I mean, it was in twenty twenty. Yeah, so right, twenty nineteen uh, with his wife, which I mean was cool, and they had video of it and everything. I think that would be the thing, and everything points to the fact that yes, he in theory has that open invitation to Aaron McLaren SP, right? But like like you said, doesn't seem like it's a viable option. 
uh, which is disappointing. But to him to be able to get back in a race car, I think we we both I thought this would just be a test. Right. You know, I wouldn't think this would be a full time ride in in a sports car series. So this to me is a surprise and a good one, and it's it, it's something that I think we'll follow. Just you know, how's he doing? And, and we've seen this before with other drivers. Obviously, Alex Sinardi being the one you think of right off off the bat. Right. But this is uh, this is an, an exciting announcement and something that we can look forward to for him as his career will finally progress to, to something as opposed to constantly waiting on updates and, you know, yeah. hoping that he can get back in IndyCar. Yeah. You know, selfishly, we as IndyCar fans wanted him to return to IndyCar eventually. But as a race car driver, he just wants to return to the seat in any way possible. And that means it's a it's a ride in sports cars. Um, it's safer. Let's be honest. It's safer. Uh, it's probably more customizable in terms of how he can uh, operate the vehicle. And it's going to scratch that itch for Robert Wickens. It, it, yes, it's not an open wheel car. Yes, it's not an open cockpit in an Indy car, but it's going to scratch that itch for Robert Wickens and him getting back into the seat, uh, no matter the series, uh, was always the goal. So congratulations to him. And, you know, it may even make me, you know, take a glance at uh, at sports cars here and there this year. Yeah. Now this is what the TCR class. I want to say uh, I can never keep track of the acronyms <laughs> in sports cars, so I am not exactly sure what it is and what it means. I am I am looking to to see what this what this means. So tell me what it means. Hyundai. I'm looking at their drivers on their site. Robert Wickens. Elantra in TCR. So I think that is the class TCR. There you go. So it's a Hyundai car that's souped up. It has a, what's it called in the back? The little uh, rear wing. Yeah. Spoiler. So that is what it looks like. And we can follow them all season long. The fact that it's an IMSA. I mean, this is a legit series. Brian Herta Autosports had a lot of success. In fact, they were the TCR champions in the Pirelli world challenge in 2018. Michelin pilot challenge TCR champions, 2019, 20 and 21. So he's going into a good program, and there's an IndyCar connection besides Brian Herta himself. Ryan Norman is running IndyCar Racer 2, is uh, on one of the TCR teams as well. Yeah, most definitely. So it's a, it's a great, great news. Maybe, you know, we were hoping IndyCar, but that just doesn't seem to be in the cards. And just let's let's all be absolutely thrilled and happy for Robert Wickens, both in the recovery that he has made, which is just astounding and now being able to return to competitive motorsport. All right. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at new track record While you're there, subscribe to our weekly email list. So you never miss an episode or any other announcements we make. And you can follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar podcast on Facebook. Like us, just search for new track record. And you can send us an email at newtrackrecordpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Okay, Justin, time for the mailbag and plenty to discuss this week. Starting off, no Hunkos and Indy Lights in 2022. Our Cole says it's kind of a bummer. Poach Shevchenko, sad to see, but understandable for them to focus on IndyCar. A new team partner and a great driver in Callum Eilat. I think we kind of saw this coming, but yeah, it's still disappointed. Looks like car count for lights will be around 15. 
Not the 18 or so we were hoping for, but still a good number. You know, still progress. Progress being made. And that's the most important thing. Comments on the new Triple Crown. Scuba Steve 85 says, I like it more than the old Triple Crown. I would agree. Uh, yeah. And Hunter's Way 67 says, this is effing awesome. Go Rossi. <laughs> or got Rossi. That's his pick <laughs> to do it. Which he did it, what, two years ago? Yeah. You mentioned 229 or 2018, I think. Yeah. So several years ago. Yeah. Because he hadn't won possible. in a while. Not since uh, 19, right? At Road America. Yeah. It's been a bit. Comments on Connor Daly. Poet Shevchenko says stability for the 20 car at last with a single driver. Our Cole yeah. says very happy for Connor. Hopefully being with one team for a complete season will help his results. It, I think it helps both parties. I mean, you just yes. consistency. Consistency is key in this sport and both ECR and Connor Daly have it. Our Cole sending another tweet. He was busy on the Twitter machine. Uh, picked up this gym today without playing it. I'm 100% certain this is going to be worse than the movie, but I couldn't not buy it. And it is a... Is it the driven video yes. game? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you know what? Like a couple months ago, I was, believe it or not, looking to kill time at work uh, just, you know, over lunch or whatever. I'm going to go around YouTube and watched the intro to the driven video game on YouTube. And it looks as terrible as you would expect. At that day and at that time, in terms of graphics and also the absurdity of the movie in general, it most definitely carried over under the video game world. This from Incaptine185, just tagging us, but Santino Ferrucci had quite the tumble at the Chili Bowl, and then Connor Daly also had quite the tumble as well. Now, unrelated, they did not, you know, tangle not into each other. each other, yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of, everybody wants to see the drivers on dirt, but then you also have to remember that a lot of these drivers have very limited experience on the surface. So it's not exactly, hey, just go out and have a good time. It is very, very difficult for some of these drivers to jump on the dirt. You posted a poll and it was super funny. So we got the news that Wickens would be back to race at IMSA, but we also learned that, <laughs> what what team was this? Uh, um, Aston Martin? I think so. Yeah. Or Al. Al- one of them one of the a's one of them has a what is like the team principal or or yeah like a big deal big wig his name is literally mike crack mike crack crack with a k um not a c at the at the beginning correct uh he is 61 percent go ahead he is now the aston martin team principal yeah so high level guy so it used to be what that used to be otmar yeah and now it is Mike Crack. <laughs> what a name. You posted a poll. Most shocking news out of out of Friday. This is last week. 61% said Wiccans back in IMSA. 39% said an F1 guy named Mike Crack. <laughs> Poet Shevchenko r- replied, I always wondered what an F1 car design on Crack would look like. <laughs> it's funny. And Vicky Lynn 26 said, my eight-year-old self couldn't help but laugh out loud at Mike Crack. <laughs> you and I were going back and forth like, how could you not laugh? I don't care yeah. how old you are, how mature yeah. you think you are. That's funny. That it's is very good comedy. Funny. It's and, very funny. And, and think of all the jokes that are going to be oh, made on Twitter, like for the upcoming F1 season. That about poor this. guy. I mean, for <laughs> his entire life, he, it's Mike Crack jokes. I mean, you know. This always, is probably a better name in racing than having Scott Speed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or Will Power. Yeah. Right? Which you can make endless jokes. I think yeah. we're, we're used to Will Power that we don't think about it anymore. I mean, yes. I, you know, we think the classic Mike is, you know, if their last name is Hunt. But we have a Mike crack in our very own motorsports bubble. <laughs> it's amazing. 
it is truly incredible. I don't care how good of a job you do in your job. That's the first joke. Uh, you know, you, it, you, you cannot get past that. I don't think I will get past I, it every I, time I see it. I'm, I'm sorry. Laugh. I don't care what your middle name is. I'm going by your middle name. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you would, you would do whatever you could right? to, to kind of deflect from that. A, you're mad at your parents. B, at some point you're like, I'm old enough. I'm going to change this. Like, you know, your name is Michael Jordan. So like you have the actor, Michael B. Jordan. So right, you can differentiate yeah, that, or, yep. you know, just go by your middle name. I mean, I don't know. Set up to fail here. Anyway, <sighs> it's a good convo starter though. It is. Mike crack. <laughs> <laughs> Javid T 14. And in, in regards to Foyt with the third car says, I really, really hope this works out well for her because I think there's talent there and a solid Foyt team is good for the sport. Yes. What I hope then this is, this is where we go with AJ Foyt racing is I feel like there are some drivers that fans of the sport will say, well, it's unfortunate they weren't given a better opportunity than with Foyt. And then there's other drivers that they say they're just not talented enough for IndyCar, despite them running for Foyt. I think there's two different ways you can go. And hopefully we don't hear a lot of Tatiana Calderon is not cut out to be an IndyCar driver. If she does indeed struggle with AJ Foyt, because I I think it, it kind of depends, you know, people would say Sebastian Bourdais, well, if he was with a better team, right. But you know, Dalton Kellett, with a better team or is it Dalton Kellett just doesn't have IndyCar talent so uh, it, it's always one or the other with AJ Foyt and I can guarantee you there will be some people that says that she's not up to the task of racing in the sport it may be a spec car series but not all cars are created the same most definitely correct and speaking of Foyt posted a poll the oval driver for the 11 car 42% said Ryan Hunter Ray 42% said Hildebrand 12% Kimball 4% said other a lot of responses here. Hunter's Way 67 says should be RHR, but I don't think they can afford him. Point taken. Uh, Laser Disco says AJ Foyt the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> In the fourth car. Why not? Yeah. Blast from the past. I think he's with the Colts organization. Uh, Jeremy from HBG says Santino except for Indy. I'd be surprised at that one. Um, this from Y to F not. RHR is the smart choice, so my guess is anyone but him, because that seems to be how Foyt operates. Well, you need two to tango, both sides. You know, Foyt very much would be interested in RHR, but conversely, would Ryan Hunter Ray be interested in running for AJ Foyt? Like, you know, what's a better ride? You get a second at Hunkos, you get a third or fourth at Foyt, and then I guess the other option would be... Coin? Coin? I mean, because there aren't many Honda right. entries available. We I mean, know Marco will probably be the fifth Andretti, and yeah. then I don't think they run six unless they run six and bring him back just True. for the Indy 500. I mean, if you give me those three, I'm probably going with Foyt. I'd go with Coin over. Well, the I'm others. factoring in the aura that is Super Dex still is just I True. guess being able to run for AJ Foyt at the Indianapolis 500 in my mind still means something. If there's not a clear cut better ride out there, Rob underscore McMahon. Says, I hope it's RHR, former series champion, Indy 500 winner. Has to be a good sell to sponsors. I mean, one would think, but yet we don't have we don't have a ride for him at yeah, the moment. Not quite and yet. And then finally, Lee Walk, 803-77986. Says, should be Hunter A, but think it's Kimball. JR is only driven at Indy in the past nine years, minus 2017. It's a good point. I mean, yeah, he's an Indy I mean, only kind of guy. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we go in 
to May and the Indianapolis 500 with Ryan Hunter Ray not in a seat. And who would have said that this time last year? No one. Uh, a couple other tweets to get to. Chevchenko um, had a question about the, you know, we talked about is Peacock geo-blocked at the track. And then he found a okay. note via an Indy Star article. Uh, in-car cameras through the IndyCar app. And NBC is, has ensured fans that fans will be able to stream races live on Peacock um, from inside the racetrack. So I was not sure on that. I didn't think you could, but apparently you can. I mean, I don't understand why you would block. Like, they're already at the race. They've already paid. Why wouldn't you let them get in it? Yeah. That, that is a legitimate question. And then one other, Depster1 says, you made some good points on the lack of testing. I can see it being a problem when the hybrid engines come, as I doubt their rollout will be without speed bumps. I think you said that, that exact yeah. thing. I, I mean, it's not going to be smooth. Look, the aero screen took a while in yeah. development it, to get it right. And even then, some drivers would say it's still not right. I mean, basically, it comes down to me, for me, is you need to test enough so that you're not trying to solve problems on race weekends. Or you come out of a race weekend going, man, we really need to fix that the next time we go to an oval or a street course. That can't happen because, you know, you have to maximize your 17 race weekends and you can't be going into something. And the financial viability of a lot of these races, too, is you just can't afford to have a snoozer here or there. So that's why I value testing to try to figure this stuff out. That's kind of why I've made the point in terms of oval testing or at least an oval race before the 500 and and I'm going to continue to to think that because you know these new downforce levels and the stuff they're adding. I, I don't want it to be their first time on track as at Indy, and there's just something that absolutely doesn't work, and you can't run you know 20 yards behind a car, and then you're trying to fix it over the course of the month. Time now for news and notes, and we covered most of these because of IndyCar content days. But I did get an email uh, last week. And then the announcement came out the following day about the Andretti Acquisition Corp on the SPAC, which was launched January 13th. I got a, a press release actually on this, and they went on uh, the, let's see, yeah, $200 million IPO. It launched January 13th, public offering of 20 million units, price of $10 per unit. They listed on the NYSE. Under WNNR.U as of the 13th. And uh, according to Nathan Brown of the Indy Star, I don't understand any of this stuff, <laughs> mind you. Uh, Andretti Acquisition Corp denies that the SPAC, whose IPA launched today at $200 million, was it all involved in helping to try and deliver a deal involving Andretti Autosport and Alfa Romeo F1 last fall. Uh, and then he has a whole long thread, but that's the update there. Sure. Yeah. That's all we know. <laughs> We're telling you what we know. <laughs> Whatever. Wake me up when Andretti buys an F1 team. Speaking of speaking of F1 connections, and we both caught this and found it fascinating. The F1 head of marketing, Ellie Norman, has left her position after four and a half years in the role. There's a story on autosport.com, and everyone pretty much right away said, IndyCar, please hire her. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, IndyCar, not in all capital letters. Please hire her because I can imagine her first day on the job would be this is stupid <laughs> get us a Netflix series I mean tennis has one golf has one I mean who's next not IndyCar at least it sounds yeah. like but you know 
You look at it. I mean, is she leaving that job for another job already? Is she out there looking for it? I, I would hope if she is indeed out there, um, Roger Penske and company are taking a good hard look because she did a great job with Formula One. And then this other note from Marshall Pruitt's IndyCar preseason state of play. He talks a lot about engineering moves on racer.com, but one of these stuck out to me and I'd heard this rumored. And so seeing this in writing um, was intriguing to say the least. And that is uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan's engineering changes. Uh, Former technical director, Tom German uh, is moved to a factory role at Hmm. Toyota. Yes. Toyota racing development. I'll tell you this. And you know, it was echoed elsewhere is, uh, technical directors involved in IndyCar or open wheel racing are not hired by a car company or an OEM to work on another series. In fact, that's what uh, Marshall surmised that exact thing. It would indeed be silly to think TRD acquired German and then limited his scope to boosting its NASCAR and short track programs. Yes. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I really don't know if it's like the worst kept secret around. I, I think, you know, you and I based just on what we're hearing is it sounds like an inevitability. I am. I, I don't know if this is something that everybody's really kind of had to bury and not talk about. I don't know. But you're hearing you're hearing a lot, but also. Not a lot, if that makes sense. You know to, what I mean? To hear Marshall at least recognize it. dots yeah. like that says yeah. something. Because we're not seeing it out there as far as being reported, only because we expect the deal to be announced now late this month or early next month. You wonder, I mean, do you just push it back to St. Pete? If, I mean, if you don't do it by the first week of February, then just push it back to the 27th. Because then you get lost in the Super Bowl lead up, which will be a week later. And Super Bowl buildup is going to be, you know, after next weekend. So, I mean, that's a long time. You don't want to get lost in that. However, if you do come out with the announcement, like right before the clash, for example, or Daytona, you know, Rolex 24 weekend, those are times that make sense to me. I would agree. Um, I'm actually looking forward to the clash and that'll be what? February 19th, February 20th, the week. No, it's the week before. So the 500 would be the 20th, I believe. So they're doing the clash the weekend of, uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Maybe. I don't don't know. know. I'm looking forward to, I just saw another picture of the Coliseum with dirt and it it looks pretty cool. So I'm actually excited for that. I think it, uh, we said it at the time. It was a great idea by NASCAR. Hopefully it works out for them because I think it's a really unique event couple uh, rumors from IndyCar Deep Throat. Always my favorite part of the podcast. J.R. Hildebrand doesn't have any budget for anything other than Indy, which he is hired for. And then also says uh, Stefan Wilson and Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing might be happening this year. I would assume that'd be a third car. And uh, that is about it. Traveling, so not, not as much on the rumor mill Whoa. in the last week or so. We'll allow Indy Car Deep Throat off uh, for this week, but uh, they they need to bring it as we get closer to the season. Yes. And then one other note before we get to our split air driver of the week. Uh, sad news, George Phillips of Oil Pressure Blog uh, reporting, well, on his own site, oilpressure.com, that uh, unfortunately his uh, wife Susan has leukemia, so she overcame the cancer and his pancreatic cancer, I believe, and now has leukemia. So they're starting treatments for that. 
And so wishing him the best and his family there. So getting uh, thoughts with George and his wife, Susan, and hopefully everything um, will get uh, cleared up in, in due time. Yeah, hopefully that's uh, difficult to deal with one of those, let alone two of them. All right. Time for your split air driver of the week. All right. So we're going, uh, it's cart uh, this week as we you know go back and forth. We're going to 1997, you know, fertile ground. And we're going to Peyton Coin Racing, Walter Peyton, of course, uh, the late Walter Peyton that actually invested uh, in open wheel racing. And we're going with Charlie Nierberg. Who? Charlie Nierberg is a race car driver who broke the wheel-driven land speed record in 2010. Did you know this? No. I did not either. Um, And he's actually a a decent Wikipedia on him. But uh, we're just going to look at his career results, and it was just one year. Wait. Yes, one year, 1997, with Coin, uh, Peyton Coin, and uh, raced at Cleveland, Road America, and Laguna Seca three times. He raced both the Lola and the Reynard chassis that year. For some reason, Dale Coyne raced most of the year with one and then late in the season switched to a Reynard. But um, he is probably most known, I guess, for people that are, pay attention to this stuff. Uh, on September 21st, 2010, the Spirit of Rhett was the car, a streamlined car designed to challenge the wheel-driven land speed record. Uh, he drove it to two phenomenal speed runs. The first run... Average 417 mile an hour. 417 mile an hour. I assume this is in the salt flats. Um, let me see here. Blah, 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 blah. With an exit speed of 422.6. The return run made under more difficult track conditions averaged a measly 411 mile per hour. Uh, the average speed of approximately 414 miles per hour exceeded the 45 year old Summers Brothers Goldenrod record. The spirit of Rhett now has one of the fastest single-engine car record in history. And numerous accomplishments that he that he has. They list yeah. them off on his page. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's like NHRA. All you have to do is just drive straight. Like, he still has to work the controls. And it's ba- you're basically you're like you're a test driver. Like, anything could happen in a car uh, like the Spirit of Rhett. But and this was the Bonneville Salt Flats. It was in the Bonneville Salt Flats. So looking at... Uh, the spirit of Rhett, which was actually named after Nierberg's son, who died in 2005. So Charlie Nierberg, um, no, I mean, a lot of these guys we look and say, you know, oh, this was the pinnacle of their racing career, being in either you know the IRL or CART. No, Charlie Nierberg went over double the amount of the mile per hour that he did in any IndyCar race or at least CART race he did in 1997, Cleveland Road America and Laguna Seca by going over 415 mile an hour in the spirit of Rhett. I think this is interesting. He received degrees from Dartmouth in 72, 73, and 74, with the latter two being engineering degrees. That's pretty wild. Ivy League. Uh, pretty crazy. Um, so, let's see. He drove the in Le Mans in 1997. He was pretty busy. And he funded... It looks like he funded his own three appearances in the Champ Car Series for Dale Coyne. Um, and Coyne is uh, 
was st- stated in a 2004 interview about Nierberg, quote, Charlie Nierberg is an example I love. He was a guy that was older. He was married. He had kids and always wanted to do these races. So he came with us and did three races, and we pushed him a little bit. But by the time he got to his third race, he was very respectable, and he's got that to carry with him the rest of his life. He retired from professional racing after his champ car experience, but as we mentioned, wasn't done in terms of going fast. And it was 13 years later in 2010, he broke uh, the, or at least set two speed run records in the spirit of Rhett car in the Bonneville salt flats. Once again, spirit of Rhett named after his son who passed away in 2005. And he used his oil and gas exploration firm to become one of the largest independent oil and gas explorers in the country and then use profits from that business to pay for auto racing. Uh, longtime Toyota Atlantic competitor drove in the 24 hours of Le Mans and a Ferrari 333 SP in 97. And then as we, we talked about the three starts in cart with Peyton coin racing in 97. And a dude like, you know, Dale coin mentioned in the interview, he was a guy that was older. He was 47 years old when he raced in 1997. He was wow. 60 years old when he broke the land speed record. Okay, and Jimmy Johnson is is how old? <laughs> Elio is what? 40, yeah, right. So Elio's turning forty eight, right? Yeah. Jimmy Johnson's turning forty seven. Kanan, I think, is also forty seven. Yeah. See, so plenty of uh, of racing in those tires still for those guys, at least to reach Charlie Nierberg. But uh, once again, three starts in nineteen ninety seven. But that's this the uh, tip of the iceberg of the story for Charlie Nierberg. This week's random split era driver of the week. All right, and only uh, one tweet of the week to get to. This from Poet Shevchenko talking about the, uh, you know, the Netflix now golf and tennis series announced. He says the golf Netflix series will be called Putt to Strut. <laughs> <laughs> Thought that was good. Excellent job. And that will wrap it up. And uh, next week will be basically a month from the season opener. So we should start doing our content days. Every week is a content <laughs> yeah. day for us. Absolutely. <laughs> so with that, thanks to Justin Kinney. I am Caleb Hatch. And thank you for joining us on another edition of New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.